All right, welcome to 420 Somewhere. I'm Mickey 420, cannabis activist and accidental journalist. On 420 Somewhere, we dive into cannabis culture and business. Sometimes with the guests, you tell us what we should cover. Tell us who we should talk to. Put it in the comments. Let us know. Today, we're talking to Brittany Parkner uh, a, from A Green Legacy to discuss public relations and marketing. Brittany, what up? Tom, hey, yo. Hey. Hey. Brittany, thank you so much for coming on 420 Somewhere. Why don't you yeah. introduce yourself to the audience and tell them uh, what you guys are up to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you all for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you all. Uh, I am Brittany Parker. I am the founder and CEO of A Green Legacy. We are a marketing, PR, and sales cannabis consultancy uh, based here right outside of Seattle. Um, but we work with organizations uh, across the nation. Um, some of our specialties are content planning um, and development, obviously, landing, speaking, and media opportunities and engagements, lead generation, organic marketing, using uh, LinkedIn as an actual business development tool mm. as well as that uh, work partnership I, I just I, I flail on the social media I'm like yeah <laughs> why listen yeah. Link, yeah. baby LinkedIn is where it goes down so really? they're gonna get my LinkedIn game up yeah. <laughs> yeah you do you do I'm telling you know um so there's a lot of different ways to use LinkedIn as a lead generation tool and as a business development tool one thing is that when we talk about PR, when we talk about getting in front of the right people, those journalists, those editors, um, those decision makers, they're all on LinkedIn. Um, right. Yeah. LinkedIn like, also, what'd you say? I would say like all social media has its like purpose, right? We're all on this yeah. headset or mindset, like, you know, grandmas are on Facebook or Instagram influencers and stuff. But yet, you know, I really, I really, so we met at Halo Labs uh, at an event for Neil Aquia. And uh, yes, we did. I, you know, I friend you on Facebook and I saw this one TikTok you did. I totally was dying inside where uh, you did like the, uh, the, the game player, the, the walking in to choose like for a media event. <laughs> and and I, I, you're the first one I saw. And it really hit the nuts though, right? Like, so, like the processor, the coacher, like there's different people in the industry that uh, don't touch the plant or do touch the plant. Yes. And, and so, like, yeah. You're a content specialist, I would say. <laughs> you know, I do enjoy doing as many funny things as possible. I um, you know, I'm so hit or miss when it comes to TikTok and even when it comes to uh uh Instagram at this point, because so much of what I do is with the business community. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn, but like the humor of of just life and of our industry and of what I do, like that is really what keeps me going. And I had this moment recently where I was like, damn, Brittany, you're getting way too serious right now. Like you're over here stressed out about like work and clients and new business and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just, I got to take a break for a second. And that's actually where that uh, TikTok okay recently came from i was like well you're Shit's too real and we need to take that your social media how, person <laughs> but like it's it's tiktok and so like how do you avoid what i've heard is like I, i've not even touched it because i'm like yeah i want to go do something and have my account get deleted you know yes. i don't that kind of stuff how have you uh, dealt with that in your tiktoks you know what so um i'll say tiktok is 
I would say kind of new to me, especially as it relates to like using it as a business medium. Mm. Um, For me, I do stay away from using terms that are related to, to cannabis. Like I don't say cannabis. I don't even try to spell it like in a different or in a, in a way, sometimes people will be like canna, blah, blah, blah. Like I do anything, any word that remotely has like canna in it, mm-hmm. yeah. I leave all of that out. Um, sometimes I'll use emojis. So it'll be like can, like an actual can emoji <laughs> and then a bus. And I'll do that. Brilliant. But like you won't her... even do the broccoli emoji. You'd have to have a can <laughs> and the bus, you know? Yes. That's really, you might rebrand the channel. Let's go rename it. Uh. I'm telling you, like it, it just gets ridiculous. But I think when I talk to my clients, especially every prospect that comes to me or every just person who's like, Brittany, I think I might need your services. Let's talk. They always focus on Instagram. They're like, I need to get on Instagram. Mm. I need to be doing more social. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is I'm like, do not put your eggs or your trust in mm. social media. Anytime no. we are on a social channel, that is rented real estate. Right. So the big thing that you need to do is make sure that you have some kind of mailing list. You have some mm. kind of newsletter where you can get people's information you can get their contact information Mm -hmm. and have that um for yourself because everything else it can be gone tomorrow well that is so important and not only that the uh the google search and so like i the other reason the what the sole reason i really got into youtube was because i had to get found on the internet because who's going to call a guy you can't find on the internet uh (laughs) and it's true you know and so like you learn seo and then seo says oh you should do youtubes because they're owned by the same company and so when they see there's a video on your page they go hey we're gonna rank it up a little bit more i'm like Mm -hmm. what am i gonna do talk to myself yes (laughs) and uh that's exactly what you're gonna do right i did it and and it worked and so um that was kind of cool but then you know if you have good seo as well that mm-hmm. helps. But then the Google search algorithm will change it or people will just yes. new competitors will come out of nowhere that you haven't seen before and they'll be mm-hmm. well capitalized and know what they're doing. Uh, so yes. you really just have to keep the hustle going. And then we have an email list as well. Uh, you can subscribe to well, it. We, we force our leads to go through it. Which good. Is kind of fun. good. Yeah. But a lot of it too with your online presence is your reputation, right? Like yes. as a guy who doesn't have anything to sell, I've been doing this writing thing and, and, and shit for almost 10 years online. Yeah. If you Google Miggy 420, you're going to see a plethora of articles. Like like your Linktree has a shit ton yep. of your, your background with, with uh, Leafly, Weed Maps. You know, you've made a reputation for yourself. And I think that's very important for what you guys are looking for is the online presence yes. type stuff. I, I agree. And, you know, when I um so interestingly enough, I used to be an elementary teacher. Then at when I was getting ready to leave education, I was like, I know that I want to be in the cannabis industry at the time. Mm. It was like I could only find bud tender jobs and retail jobs. And yeah. I was like, OK, well, I can't actually live off of this. Um, I do like making frivolous purchases. For real, though. No. It's an hour. You're going to get me there. I want to have fun. <laughs> Amazon emails me every day saying, buy this. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I like to eat well, drink well, you know, live well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this isn't it. And so I, I actually made a pit stop in tech marketing. But then I went to Leafly after I left tech mm. and um, or after I left like traditional tech. I went to Leafly, ended up getting laid off. 
And when I got laid off, um, I remember being like, I, I thought I might need to go back to, to traditional tech and I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay in cannabis. Mm. And um, one of my clients from Leafly actually reached out to me and was like, Brittany, you were actually helping us with our marketing, even though I was working in a sales capacity. And they were like, would you, would you be willing to do some consulting for me? And I was like, oh my God, I'm so scared about this. I don't oh know. God. But then eventually mm -hmm. I told them that I would yeah. and I did it. And I wasn't necessarily ready to start a green legacy. I, I didn't know what I wanted my business business to be, mm. but I knew that like, okay, well I could continue to do, you know, consulting for others right now. And then I, I also ended up becoming a freelance writer during that time too. And I remember being like, okay, Brittany, you don't know exactly what you want to do right now. So I think the biggest gift that you can probably give yourself is just developing some kind of online presence. And so that was all through Instagram at the time. And I was just focused on, let me see if I can get my following up. Let me see if I can figure out like what kind of content and mm. what kind of things people are struggling with and what kind of things are true to our industry. And so um, I did that for probably like almost a year. But over time, I had people who were reaching out to me who were asking things like, do you know about any jobs in cannabis? Like this thing that you posted was so funny and is so true. And it's something that I'm dealing with right now with my like cannabis employer. And so over time, just all of the conversation that I think comes from being on social and being able to immerse yourself yeah. within the industry will give you so much value and so much insight if if you are willing to look at it in that capacity. Oh, yeah. um, way beyond just being having fun on social media or um, just talking to people on social randomly. Like there's just so much that can come from it. Well, you're, you're a networking yourself, a force. And that's kind of what this the cannabis industry needs. It needs, you know, uh, I attended uh, uh, the uh, interchange recently down mm -hmm. here in Renton. And, uh, uh, you know, for me, I get a little, again, the guy who doesn't make any money, but I love to tell people stories. And I and I, and I get overwhelmed because there's so many stories there, right? Because yes. everybody's got, some are a bunch of new kids who I don't care about. Some of people who are from the legacy market who've done the struggle, which I would like to tell their story about. And then there's mm -hmm. the actual business side, like how I know this guy, Tom, you know, like, you know, Tom was a banking lawyer and now he's mm -hmm. a weed lawyer, right? Like, and then, then like, so you, I'm I don't think about doing TikTok, but I'm going to be a farm lawyer. <laughs> you have a farm. <laughs> you might need some help. Yeah. I'm a retail lawyer. If you have a retail <laughs> store. Yeah. <laughs> Farmer Re Tom lawyer. Put it in quotations. Right. Retail. Yeah. Farm. Retail. Yeah. Brittany, when you were teaching and you were about to leave, did you know that it was going to be canvas because you smoked so much weed teaching kindergarten kids? Oh, my God. You know what? Okay. So this is funny. So I, I was an elementary teacher. I taught every grade from kindergarten all the way up to fifth graders. And funny enough, my first teaching role was actually in Missouri. So I lived in St. Louis for um, a year and my now husband, he was there in school for two years getting his master's. And so um, teaching was like, oh my God, it is. And <laughs> I tell you, there are few, there are few career paths that people can take that are more stressful than teaching. I think yeah. like 
social workers, like that is a hard career. Mm -hmm. uh, teaching, hard career. Nursing, hard career. Like right. there are some that are just, they're emotionally taxing. And you also have all of this bureaucracy bullshit that goes along with it. And then you also have a lot of people who think that they can do your job better than you can. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> there's a lot of different factors. But my last year of teaching, every single year I was a teacher, I was like, oh, I think this is about to be my last year. But I'm going to try to stick it out because people keep telling me if I can make it past year three, oh, no. then it like gets easier. It doesn't. It doesn't get easier. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got to that last year, I was I knew in the last like two months that I was done. But in that mm -hmm. last year, one of my uh, coworkers was actually my plug. Like <laughs> cannabis wasn't technically legal yet yeah. in Washington. And um, one of one of my fellow elementary coworkers, they, <laughs> were, they were my plug. And it is because we are all stressed, y'all. Teachers are always stressed. But <laughs> yeah. It was helping. It was so helpful for me in that last year. And um, my mom is, I'm from Tennessee originally. And oh man, uh, so you can't even work in your home state. Uh, yeah, I can't, man. I cannot work. Well, you know what? Because I'm a service provider and I provide, you know, oh, gotcha. services to small mm -hmm. businesses. Right. I can, but I can't, I can't open a dispensary there unless no. I'm only going to sell CBD, which there is a lot of CBD in Delta 8 mm. uh, dispensaries in Tennessee. Yeah. But, it's my mom, when I was younger, she would give me these long lectures. Like if I asked if I could go and spend the night over somebody's house, it would turn into this long lecture about like not bringing any babies into the house. <laughs> and then it would always end up on drugs. And the, always end up on drugs. and the danger of marijuana. And she'd be like, and Brittany, I just, and I mean, drugs. That marijuana is out <laughs> in these streets. And when you are hanging out with people, yep. I do not want to see. There is no reason. When, yep. it, when it comes to marijuana, the next step is heroin. Damn. She oh, always wow. says heroin. Heroin. <laughs> yeah, like pronounced cool. Is she still in Tennessee? She is still in Tennessee. My whole family is. And, but, you know, me being in, in education and... Yeah. Cannabis helping me so much in that last year, it made me rethink everything that I was taught about, you know, cannabis being this horrible gateway. Mm. With that being said, though, my mom also talked a lot about how our family had actually been impacted by cannabis. And looking back on it, you know, she was talking about cannabis prohibition. Actually, yeah. she was talking mm. about the incarceration of her siblings, mm. her, our cousin, my cousins of people in our family. And for her, she's in her seventies at this point, you know, she's had seven decades of anti-cannabis, uh, especially, um, uh, propaganda. Yeah. And so uh, I've now gotten her to the point where I still can't share if I do, a, I just recently did a, uh, photo shoot. Um, and in the photo shoot, I am smoking weed. <laughs> And I know that I can't show my mom those pictures. Uh, I can show my dad. He's going right to like on. make a bunch of jokes about, about it and like yeah. about me because that's how he mm -hmm. is. But 
I can't show my mom. I can't. Do you, do you think it's because she's just trying to keep you out of jail when she thinks that that's what's going to happen with you? Like, like I think early when I was grow, you know, coming up, uh, yeah. like I thought all uh, my family is kind of wild growing up. Yeah. So like, I just thought all minorities consume cannabis or at least had a positive light or opinion yep. on it. And then uh, it turns out I learned the hard way that not everybody likes weed, <laughs> you know, not every yes. person of color because the stigma, the, the, the law, you know, it's just, permeated all the way down this ignorance you know and so yeah just and it's and um and i think that it is more i think for black communities and even latina communities um latino latina communities i think it's more than just it being like an ignorance around it i think it's more than it being um a misconception around it i think we have we have been we have been strategically targeted yeah. by cannabis, you know, prohibition by by the laws. So much, so many of our communities have been dismantled because mm-hmm. of the war on drugs. Because the war on drugs disproportionately targeted our communities, and so it's. I don't think that it's a situation where people are just inherently saying. Um, saying like, oh, this is just such a a terrible plant. I think it's more so like we see how this plant has impacted, the prohibition of this plant has impacted our communities, how it's dismantled families, entire families for generations. And it continues to do so. Even here Mm -hmm. in Washington, where uh, Black people in particular are still disproportionately targeted for cannabis offenses, even though cannabis is completely legal here in Washington. What are they getting arrested for? Is it, is it, hey, you have too much. Is, are they enforcing possession limits or something? Outside so it's possession limits? Yeah. Absolutely. That's one piece. Um, and then one piece is just like terrible policing, honestly. Mm. It's just, ah, uh, here's something that we can use as a way to do X, Y, and Z. And so even if it is a situation where let's say someone gets arrested for having more than three grams on them and maybe they have four grams on them or whatever, it's still a situation where that's not a huge amount of a difference to what our cutoff is. But at the same time, something like that, which is a misdemeanor here, it still makes it so that if, you're black or brown, you still have this charge on your record and you still are in a situation where you probably have to pay for a lawyer, which is expensive. Yeah. Probably still have to pay fines, which is expensive. And Mm -hmm. so there are all of these other pieces that come from it. And when we think about, you know, the federal, uh, federal charges, which can happen even here in Washington, if you have over a certain amount, even in places like Florida, where, You can't in Florida, you can't have um, if you don't have a medical license or a medical card, rather, then you can't even have cannabis paraphernalia with you. Mm. And so you can't have hash. You can't have any of these things. Mm. And so it's like you still have people who are getting federal charges. When we think of Florida, you get federal charges for even having paraphernalia. Um, You get that charge on your record. And if you're black, what we know is that it's a lot harder for you to get back on your feet from those types of charges. 
and it impacts your family for generations. I mean, this mm -hmm. is something well, that uh, it doesn't, it, regardless of your race, it still impacts yeah. you. But, um, you know, for black and brown people, it is just harder to get back on their feet because of so many other systemic issues that we deal with within our country. That's, that's a key part of systemic stuff, right? It, it's not like, uh, you know, we're lesser capability or whatever. It's, it's more of a, the biases involved in sometimes the system and and, yes. and, the, and the law enforcement that comes after in selective neighborhoods yes. or whatever else. So yes, well, and and yes, and and even when we think about like um, when we think about uh, gaps within wealth, like wealth gaps, yeah, that's some that is a systemic issue that makes it so that we have a wealth gap between. Um, between white families, we'll just take this as an example, between white families and black families and how much wealth the two sides typically have on average. Mm -hmm. And so, you mm -hmm. know, if you are from a white family, statistically, you have a better chance of being able to afford all of those fines that you have to pay in order to get those records expunged, to actually yeah. be able to afford a lawyer who can help you do those things, which... Um, that's not the case for everyone across, you know, our nation. No, they were for years. They just got left out of problems. Like my grandfather comes back from World War II. Here, go to college. Your yep. grandfather comes back from World War II. Hey, uh, how can we get him? You know, it, it's a way a minute. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, yeah. You you want a mortgage? Yeah, you were a veteran. And then your grandparent didn't get that offer. They, no. they redlined into some district or steered or yes. somebody would come in and try to block break. And you're like, wait a minute. Yes. So why do you think this wealth gap exists? Well, aside from those two huge things, like you paid for their education and their housing, well, or you denied them that, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's The 20th century is fucked up. You want to see some bad history? Go read about the 20th century. Which, well, it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say just the fact that also you can look up within the past hundred years, Tulsa existed, right? The yep. with Black Wall Street, and then also one that I learned about that didn't freaking know about was there was a mass exodus of Mexicans from uh, uh, El Paso. They 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 bust them out to yep. Mexico, uh, the miners, because they didn't want mining competition, the employment. It's the craziest shit out there, man. And it is. Yeah. It is. It, it, and the thing about it is that uh, where I think oftentimes we think about these things happening so long ago, like this, like this is a 20th century problem, but yeah. these same things still happen today. Like there's still redlining in housing. It impacts yeah. Seattle a lot. Oh, yeah. Out here in Washington is a great example. Um, we see it in our housing market. We see it in how much people are offered for their housing statistically. And this is something that research has proven time and time again. Uh, if your home is staged and let's say it's staged, oh, yeah. that makes it, you know, in a way where the person who is um, who is appraising your house, they can tell that, you know, a black person or an Asian person lives in this house through, let's say, artwork then statistically those houses get less, they get appraised for less. Yeah. And so those are things that research already tells us. Research has shown time and time again. Um, yeah, is still they, they're clinical. And so it's like, we're going to do this research and then they publish it. And then somebody else does the same experiment 
half the world away and they get the same results. Also, what about that shit? You know, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that they can look into that if you just want to feel bad about uh, the country in general, I, I thought the election actually went kind of okay. They yep. were rejecting the, the, the weirdos that like are truth yeah. deniers, uh, yes. which was kind of good. But at the same time, um, just give them just they'll, re -re they'll regroup. They'll come up with something else that's crazy, I'm sure. Yes. But how how did we get what six out of seven states voted against slavery? Like not seven out of seven? <laughs> like what the fuck in twenty twenty two? Because yeah. that's where we are. That's where we are. Like well, we, yeah, don't have to, we don't have to talk about these things as if they were only the case for way back when. Like these things yeah. are still happening now, and there's still plenty of things that we as a society can really um try to correct like we still have a ton of opportunity to correct so many yeah. shitty things that still happen based on you know your wealth whether you're rich or poor based on your race whether yeah. you're uh anything that's outside of you know white christian um, that's based on your gender, whether you're male, female, or um, you're trans or somewhere else on the spectrum of the of the gender binary. Yeah. And so um, we have a lot of things that, like, we got a lot of shit that we still are are perpetrating, are are yeah. allowing to persist. Well, the whole equality and fairness and things is all bullshit until everybody's, you know, it's fair. Everything, everything yeah. is bullshit when money gets involved. As yeah. soon as money gets involved, then somebody's like, wait, so my paycheck depends on this? I'll say whatever you want me to. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. Come on. And still, <laughs> that happens. It's true. Hey, money uh, and politics. Those but I really wanted to thank you for coming on the show. And like, how can people get in touch yeah. with you? Like, which which should they follow you on social? Or uh, you have an at right there. And then uh, why don't yeah, you tell people? I do. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram, of course. But you can Oops. actually find me more so okay. over on LinkedIn. That's where I spend a lot of my time. Yeah. So I'm Brittany Parker, NW Northwest is what it stands for. Um, but if you ever want to check out more about my services, you can look over at a we'reagreenlegacy.com. Cool. Yeah, Linktree has all, all right. your articles and stuff too. So, oh, yeah. I've got lots of articles and I have lots more coming. I'm actually a new contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. So, I'm oh, really nice. excited to bring some cannabis stuff. Yay. Um, to that publication. Oh yeah. And then do you freelance on that? Or are you just you're answering their indeed job posts? <laughs> uh, technically I freelance. So I do freelance, right? Uh, that's a big piece of what I do. I just got done with an interview with Redman, which I'm Oof. so excited about. I bet. Um, but with um, entrepreneur, I'm just a contributor. So Amazing. I'm basically able to write about whatever I want to write about. And that makes me happy. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, uh, where should we send the the the, the thumbnail? Because now when we stop this, there'll be a place that we can put like one video. So, uh, okay. hey, you guys watching, go watch that video right there. <laughs> that we'll, we'll put it right there. Yeah. Right there. Right there. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny Brittany.